Hey, good morning, Lightway. Uh, wow, my big fat mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Get you laughing and then boom. <laughs> Thank you guys for connecting with us this morning. I just want to shout out to those people who are still connecting with us. Got some rumbling. That's all right. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Still connecting with us. You know, we're here uh, because of the Lord. We're here to receive from the Lord. And we're grateful for connection on uh, our technology as well as here in person. I'm praying personally for the churches around us that are, are planning to come back. And it's been quite a, uh, quite a time this year. And so, you know, it, it's important for us to to gather together. Don't you just sense that the Lord is moving when, when we get together? So important. So grab your Bible. Let's turn over to Proverbs chapter 18. We're going to pray and get right into the word. Father, thank you for an awesome time today. Already in your presence, there are things that you've done, things that you've said, ways that you've ministered to us. And Father, we thank you that your words are life to us. Jesus, you said that, that you are the bread of life, and, and we feast upon you every time that we come to your word, and we depend upon your Holy Spirit to enlighten us and teach us and lead us and guide us into your word this morning. We give you thanks and give you praise for opening our eyes and showing us what you want us to do and how you want us to be in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. My big fat mouth. Over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about complaining. We're going to talk about criticizing. We're going to talk about lying and gossip. Wow. So um, we're, we're taking a self-exam, a checkup from the neck up, and realizing that Proverbs 18.21 is true. It says the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And today, we are a product of what we said yesterday. Our words are powerful, and we need to be reminded of that, especially in the times that we're living in. And uh, the, the words that are going around, hitting people in the heart and hurting people and damaging people. Are, guys, we have, as the body of Christ, we have an opportunity when it's really, really dark in the world to, to bring the light of Jesus through our words through our heart, through our actions. And so let me just say right up front that uh, one of the side points to this message series is social media. Oh, I felt all the air go out of the room. Oh, he's going to talk about social media. But listen, it's part of our lives. Social media is here to stay. It's not going away. And we can fuss about it. We can turn it off. It's still there. And it still uh, generates either life or death, depending on what words you use. So when we're talking about your words that you speak out of your mouth, I'm also talking about the words that you type out of your computer. Can I get an amen? amen. The, the typing that you do comes from your heart. Jesus said in six, uh, Luke 6, 45, Jesus said that a good person produces good things from the treasury 
of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say, I like this, the New Living Translation says, what you say flows from what's in your heart. So really, you can tell where people are by the words that they're speaking. We like, you know, hurt people hurt people because they're easily hurt, right? And so when people are speaking and the words they're speaking, you can identify where they are in their heart. This is a time where we need to have more compassion, more understanding, more sensitivity to the people around us, right? And so I think it's very important that we talk about words. And number one, we're going to talk about us complaining and how we deal with complaining. You know, God's people, when I, when I think about murmuring and complaining, I always go back to uh, Israel in the desert, Exodus chapter 14. God's people were uh, in the desert and God had brought them through the Red Sea. And they said this to Moses. Here are the Israelites who just came through the Red Sea. God delivered them. They said this. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us into the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. They were complaining because God delivered them out of Egypt. Wow. How grateful or maybe ungrateful, right? Complaining and complaining and complaining. These are God's people. God has moved by his power, and yet they're complaining. And so... Moses is trying to understand this. Here is God's hand of power moving them and delivering them from being slaves. And they're here in the wilderness able to worship God freely. God's providing their needs by giving them manna every day, right? Feeding them every day. God is sustaining them and providing for them. He's delivered them. And Moses is trying to understand. And God said to Moses, they're not grumbling against you. They're grumbling against me. Because in Exodus chapter 16, Moses addresses the children of Israel. And he said, you're not grumbling against me and Aaron, the leaders. You're grumbling against the Lord. So, Even God's people can be grumbling, can be complaining. All of us deal with that, right? We catch ourselves. We catch ourselves complaining about something that God blessed us with. Here's a question for you to answer. Maybe you want to write it down. I failed to tell you that you can look at the notes and go back to the scriptures if you go to lifeway.church forward slash zero nine dash two zero dash two zero that's today's date and you can look at the notes you can follow along you can even take notes and send them to yourself when you're there so you need to write this down what is the biggest thing in my life right now that I'm complaining about you know you better than anybody else 
right? And hopefully you hear yourself. At least by the end of the sermon, we're going to be encouraged to listen to the words that we speak. Because most of the time, we are our own worst enemy. That's why the name of the, the title of the series is My Big Fat Mouth. My Big Fat Mouth gets me in trouble most of the time. What are you complaining, com complaining about? Is it, uh, personally, I know for me, I complain a lot about my time or the lack of it. I just don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. And then my wife, who God sent me to be my helper, my helpmate, she helps me hear what I say. And she says to me, you don't have a problem with your time. You have a problem prioritizing your time. Right, Because we all have 24 hours in the day, and it's how we choose to use our time. It's not that we don't have enough of it. There's just prioritization. We have to readjust some things. But the more we complain, the less time we see we have. Isn't that right? Maybe it's your job. Oh, I've been here for so long. And I just don't like my boss. I don't like my coworkers. I don't like my office. I don't like, I don't have a window. It's too cold. They don't serve us lunch. There's no bean bags and ping pong tables in the break room. Complaining about where you work, how you work, the job. Maybe it's your children. Ah, you know, when they were born and. You held them up in your arms and took pictures and posted it all over Facebook, and then you're complaining about your children. Maybe it's your, maybe it's your spouse. Nobody punch anybody in here. Um, maybe it's your spouse, but maybe it's your marriage. Got such a bad marriage and just complaining and complaining. Do, do you think that's helping to change things? No, absolutely not. How about the weather? Oh, it's bad weather. Everybody complains about the weather. It's either too hot, two degrees, too cold, too... Slow Wi-Fi. Just, Wi-Fi is just so slow these days. <laughs> I don't know. They're just charging too much for this. What are they trying to do? They're trying to take my money and how about nothing to watch on Netflix? There's nothing to watch on Amazon. You know, I've got all these services with nothing to watch. Let's get a little, a little bit closer. Why are they requiring me to wear masks? I'm not going to wear a mask. Just grumpy, frumpy, mean, hateful. All this politics stuff. Complain. We have a choice to complain or to be glad, right? Brings us to, to the, the, the problem with complaining is that we've taken our eyes off of God. We've taken our eyes off of God. And we put them on the things that we're dealing with. Let's think about Paul for a minute. Paul had many reasons to complain. He almost had a right to complain. If anybody had a right to complain, it was Paul. Paul, who gave his life for the gospel. Jesus called him. Paul was against the church but when Jesus called him he called him into the ministry and told him to go to the Gentiles the, the, probably the hardest assignment at that time Paul met opposition opposition every everywhere he went opposed 
He was stoned. He was thrown out of town. He was beaten. They thought he was dead multiple times. Many reasons to complain. But here's what he said in Philippians chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Paul knew something about his life. And he knew something about God. Paul said this, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. It's interesting, Paul uses that phrase, being poured out like a drink offering. That phrase, poured out, being poured out, comes from a Greek word called and are, are pronounced like spendo. So he was being spent or poured out. And it's what the priests used to do when they took the drink offerings. They would either take anything liquid like uh, real expensive wine or, or honey or as the, the sacrifice, animal sacrifice is burning, they would pour that drink offering on that burning piece of sacrifice and it would evaporate. There would be a sweet-smelling aroma. So being poured out, it's kind of like the woman that poured out her perfume on Jesus' feet. She gave all that she had. She poured it out. She spindled. And so Paul, when he used that phrase, some people think, were thinking that Paul was talking about his ultimate martyrdom. But really, Paul, in that verb, he was saying, I am being poured out. So he was looking at his life that he was living as a sacrifice. That's why he could write in, in uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, give your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You see, Paul, every time he got into a place where he could complain, he chose to see Jesus. He chose to not look at himself, but to see Jesus and the purpose for his life. Look at Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Now, you have to remember that Paul wrote this when he was in prison. Paul was in prison, and he wrote this. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So he wasn't complaining to Christ that Christ put him in the chains. He believed that he was serving God's purpose by being chained to this Roman guard in prison. How could Paul be in prison facing possible execution, and rejoice. Same way he and Silas at midnight, in the dark of, of midnight in prison, began to sing praises to God and rejoice. Because he, Paul chose not to look at himself, but to look at Jesus. He did not take his eyes off of Jesus. He did not begin to look at his situation and complain. Oh, every time I preach, I get thrown in jail. Every time I preach, they beat me to death. 
I'm going to stop. I'm going to quit. This is not worth it. To save my life, I'll have to turn my back on what God's called me to do. Paul didn't. He, he kept his eyes focused on Jesus. You know, your circumstances may be bad. And if you can change your circumstances, your negative circumstances, then change them. Think about Nehemiah. He was in negative circumstances, but he changed them. If you can change your negative circumstances, change them. If you can't change your negative circumstances, then change your attitude. The why. Let's talk about the why behind complaining. Why do we complain? Why do we complain? Number one, because we're looking at the wrong things. The number one reason why we complain is because we're looking at the wrong things. I'm looking what other people have. What they have is better than what I have. And so we compare, and that leads to complaining. That leads to criticizing. And criticizing leads to arguing. Let me just read you uh, Philippians 2, verses 14 and 15. Philippians 2, verses 14 and 15. It says, do everything. This is in the New Testament. And Paul, Paul wrote this. How could he write it? Because he had an understanding of this. Do everything without grumbling, complaining, or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. How appropriate for today, right? People are complaining about everything, everything. The government gave them money, but it was not enough money, right? <laughs> it didn't come with a bow tied around it and a box of chocolates with it, you know? So we look at the wrong things. We look at what other people have. We begin to complain. We look at what we don't have. We begin to complain. The Lord, uh, I was driving yesterday, and the Lord told me to go by the house that we lived in um, 13 years ago, 14 years ago, over here in Decula. It was a rental house. And I'm like, why would I drive in that neighborhood? Why would I go by there? I, that's not on my route. That's, I'm not planning to do that. He said, I want to show you something. He was taking me down memory lane. Now, a house is just a house. It's, it's sticks and material and concrete and whatever, metal, right? Stuff. But there's memories made in those places that God wanted to show me and remind me how faithful he was. And so I went there. I drove past the house. I took a picture to remind myself of how God was faithful. He found that rental house when we were moving from Italy. Actually, this was, you know, 13, 14 years ago when the Internet and, and my mother was living here in Georgia, and she helped us to find that house, and we lived there for a couple of years, and then we got our own house. We, we bought our own house. We'd been married for 20 years and had never owned a house. And so then the Lord told me to go to that house that we built and lived there for 13 years, 12, 13 years. So we, I drove over there. 
drove down the road and I'm listening to the Lord. He said, look, I'm still faithful. I'm still faithful. By the time I was coming back to the house that we live in now, I was shouting, yes, <laughs> woo, thank you, Lord. <laughs> You're so faithful. But guys, it's not about the house. It's about God. It's not about stuff. It's about how faithful God is. And I began to be grateful and thankful. And the bottom line is to correct all of the complaining in your life, you need to be thankful and grateful. Thankful and grateful. Another reason that we become complaining, we complain, is because we're self-centered. If you just listen to yourself, I'm so tired of this pandemic. Like you're the only one that's tired of it, right? <laughs> I'm so tired of all these politics. Like you're the only one. Come on, come on. And you know, complaining just breeds complaining. Because everybody wants to complain. They're just looking for somebody to start it, to join in on the chorus, right? So if we refuse to complain, if we start a protest against complaining, then we can shut it down. Be grateful. Be thankful. Be thankful. You hear ourselves say, and it's self-centered, I can't deal with it anymore. I just can't deal with it anymore. And that's a good time to stop, drop, and pray and say, Lord, I'm not big enough to deal with this. I've said it. You know it. I know it. But you're big enough. Your grace is big enough. Just like we were singing this morning. I mean, these songs were right in line with changing, complaining to being thankful and grateful. We become self-centered when we say, oh, I shouldn't have to blah, 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 blah. I shouldn't have to blah, 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 blah. You think Paul had a chance to say, well, I shouldn't have to blah, blah, blah. No. And the third reason that I think that we complain is we just forget the goodness of God. We just forget how good he is. We can sing about it. We can talk about it. But do we really believe it and live it to the fullest extent? We have to answer that question. How good has God been in your life? Has he saved you? Has he healed you? Has he provided your needs? And there's so much more that he has. So what are we going to do about this complaining? Number one, we have to listen to ourselves. We have to take inventory. We have to judge ourselves, like the Bible says, we have to judge ourselves. We're not called to judge other people and what they say. That's not your job. If you hear someone complaining, begin to pray for them. They're having a tough time. And remember, that could be you, right? We're not the word cops. You don't have permission to jump on somebody because they said something wrong. That's actually happened in my presence one time, and I was so embarrassed that this one person chewed up this other person for saying the wrong thing. I'm like, oh, and you think you're right by telling her she's, I mean, that person, she's wrong. I mean, wow. Listen to yourself. 
Jesus also said, you will know them by their fruit. And that's not just them, that's you. You will know you by your fruit. What's your fruit like in these days? In these tough times, they're difficult times, no denying that. But the more we complain, the more difficult they become. Number two, don't forget the goodness of God. Here, here's, here's some warning right here. Look at Psalm 106, verse 7. Even though the children of Israel had just witnessed the miraculous ten plagues of Egypt and escaped 400 years of slavery, Psalm 106, verse 7 said, They soon forgot his many acts of kindness to them. Instead, they rebelled against God at the Red Sea. After all God did for them, they rebelled against God by complaining, by complaining. And so don't forget the goodness of God. And number three, be thankful and fill yourself with gratitude and thankfulness for God's blessing. I want to end with this verse, Psalm 103. Verses 2 through 5 in the New Living Translation. This is awesome. David is saying this. And David faced opposition. There were times where David could have, maybe should have, just complained and said, I'm giving up. But here's what he said. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things that he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems my, he redeems my life and redeems me from death and crowns me with love and his tender mercies. And he fills my life with good things. So David said, may I never forget. May I never forget. Another way to say that is may I always remember. May I always remember, be grateful, and fill yourself with gratitude for God's blessings. And the last thing that we should do about it is not focus. Don't focus on what you don't have. Be thankful for what you do have. Remember, you're, you're not the center of your life. Jesus is at the center of your life. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you have set Jesus on the throne of your life, then he's the center of your life. So your life is not all about you. That's why Paul could say, I died with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not me, but Christ in me. Right? If it's Jesus living in me, my life should be about him and not about me. So the, the things that I'm facing today, maybe you're facing difficulties that you never even thought that you would be facing. It's okay. It's okay because Jesus is with you. He said he would never leave you nor forsake you. He can fill you with a joy like Paul and Silas in the middle of the prison at midnight saying, let's, let's 
let's have a little worship session in here. Did you bring your guitar? No. I got this harmonica. Maybe. I don't know what they had. Maybe they were beating on the side of the walls, just get, getting a groove, getting a beat, you know. Who knows? They, Paul did a little rap, and Silas was beating on the bars. Who knows? But they were praising God with what they had. They weren't looking at what they didn't have. Come on. What do you have? Hey, Moses, what do you have? What's that stick in your hand? Come on. Be grateful. Be thankful. The power of God will come on you and deliver you from that spirit of complaining, which in turn will change your circumstances. God can work with someone who's thankful and grateful. Maybe you need Jesus today. And that's the first step to being thankful and being grateful. Knowing who he is and what he's done for you is the greatest thing in our lives. Knowing that Jesus, even though we didn't deserve it, he gave us this thing called salvation. And it's the greatest thing that we could ever experience. In fact, in this life that we're living before, before heaven, I don't know that we'll ever understand the, the greatness and the goodness of this thing called salvation. Such a gift given to us freely. Nothing you could have done to deserve it. The only thing you need to do to receive it is just say, yes, that's me. That's me. So before we close, before I pray, I want to ask you, have you received? Have you received Jesus? Is this you that I'm talking to? Whether it's here in the building or whether it's there through the internet, through the camera there. If you need Jesus, doesn't take very long. You don't have to cry. You don't have to get on your knees at the altar and cry a thousand tears. No. It's very powerful, but very simple at the same time. God is not trying to confuse you or, or make it complicated. He said, give me all you have and I'll give you all I have. And so every one of us, when we come to Jesus, we come just like we are. It's like that song, just as I am. <laughs> Jesus, I'm coming to you just like I am. I know. I know me. But I need you. So let's, if that's you, I want you to pray with me. You don't, if you want to get down on your knees, you can. If you don't, you don't have to. It's not even necessary that you close your eyes. But just concentrate and focus on these words. I'm going to help you with the words. Say, Heavenly Father, you can just pray with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of salvation. Today I acknowledge that I need Jesus. And so I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for me, that he came to this earth and shed his blood for me to give me salvation. So according to your word, I believe that I receive that eternal gift of salvation today. 
right now, I belong to you. I choose to follow you all the days of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I might live for you forever. In Jesus' name. If you've made that decision, then that means you're born again. It's not a feeling. <laughs> you don't have to walk to the front. You don't have to have your name on the, the roll of the church or our roster. You don't, have, you don't even have to be baptized in water. Being baptized in water is just a symbol of what happened on the inside. God is for you. God loves you. And he has so many great things to bless you with.